Good Friday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and welcome to the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us. A program presented by Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. Dr. Wagner has your back. Today's program is loaded. We have some restaurant news to get out of the notebook for you. Sad news um, on a brand that has positively for 11 years served this community. Another restaurant closing, unfortunately, that story in a matter of moments. On today's program, we'll welcome Katrina Coulson to the program. Um, she is running for the Virginia House of Delegates. She is a rock star. Uh, she's a deputy city attorney. She's the chairwoman of the Amor County School Board. Um, she wears a lot of hats, and we will try to um, introduce you, the community, to all those hats that she wears on today's show. I also want to give props to the Clifton for being a part of the program. My wife and I, special dinner and happy hour at the Clifton last week. Fantastic place for, uh, for memories, the Clifton in Keswick. Judah Wickhauer, the director, we give him props on a daily basis for keeping us online. And Judah, I was sad to see when I woke this morning the news of Ace Biscuit and Barbecue's closing. Brian Ashworth, the owner of Ace Biscuit and Barbecue, has come on this program a couple of times. In fact, I think you can show photos and, from his previous visits. One's on screen now. 11 years Ace Biscuit and Barbecue um, has been open, and they announced today that they are closing um, soon. The hits keep coming. Um, Peloton Station in December, Paradox Pastry closed over here in the glass building, but they're moving to Dairy Market. Be Conscious is closing in the Dairy Market. Angelique's closed in the uh, Dairy Market. This topic is multi-pronged. Um, cost of goods have become volatile and extremely expensive. The consumer is pinching pennies now. That credit card debt is at an all-time high in America, and the dollar just is not stretching as far. And in fact, another theme that's causing some of these closings is something we'll bring up with um, candidate Katrina Colson. It's just really expensive to live here. So if you're in the food service industry and you can't afford to live in Charlottesville and Almaro and you have to commute 45 minutes to a food service job in Charlottesville and Almaro, eventually you're going to ask yourself, is the return on investment there? Does it make sense for me to drive 50 minutes from the other side of the mountain, from Stanton, Waynesboro, Buckingham, for a job where I'm, I'm spending 90 minutes round trip in a car? So affordability undoubtedly impacting restaurants and causing some of these staffing shortages and closings as well. Before we get to Katrina Coulson, I want to get Judah Wickhauer's take on this in a matter of moments, but if you're just tuning into the show, Ace Biscuit and Barbecue closing forever, Paradox Pastry moving to Dairy Market, and Be Conscious closing in Dairy Market. Where do you want to begin with this one? I mean, I almost thought, Judah, that Ace was insulated from this because of its rabid and loyal following. But when someone that's been in operation for 11 years and their farewell post says, this just is not the same field anymore, this yeah. is just not the same kind of work anymore, that really resonated with me, the comment from Brian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I think uh, <clears throat> we've been seeing the effects of everything from the, um, from the pandemic to, um, to the out of control interest um, debt service floating debt fed raising the rate 
and anyone that has any kind of floating debt, that debt service is becoming more expensive. We saw idle and um, PPP loans come due this past November. The small business owner um, feeling that pinch as well as that payment has come due. Scott Aaronworth in Virginia Beach, he's watching the program, got Lynchburg, Northern Virginia, Richmond, Outer Banks, folks outside Philly, Crozet, downtown, and um, Keswick on the feed right now. I wish him the best. I wish him the best. Brian and his family the best Definitely. in whatever they do. Yeah. And just like I did with Angelique, just like I did with Curtis at Peloton Station, just like we do with any business, we wish him the best. But I'm here to tell you, and it's not my news to, to mention, more closings from iconic businesses are on the very near horizon. Maybe as early as next week. All right, Judah Wickhauer, why don't we go to the studio camera and then the two-shot as we welcome um, someone that's been in the news lately and for a number of reasons, Katrina Colson. She is the chair of the Almoral County School Board. She is running for House of Delegates. Mm -hmm. She is a deputy city attorney mm -hmm. in Charlottesville. She's an evangelist for the area. Mm -hmm. um, welcome to the show. Can I move this? Is this better? That's perfect. Okay. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? We're doing so great. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, introduce yourself to three media outlets and thousands of folks watching you right now on this program. Well, I hope some of them know me. I've been involved in the community for quite a while. I've been doing work on behalf of women and children and families in our area. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to, to jump into questions about my, my candidacy or, or whatever questions people have for me. Well, how about this? And viewers and listeners, if you have questions for the candidate, put them in the feed. I'll relay them live on air. Same for the media that's watching the show. Why'd you get into politics for the first place? Um, it's not for the money. I mean, it's, <laughs> this causes a lot of headache, a lot of time away from your family, which I know you love. Yeah. Why did you get into politics for the first place? That's right. I have two, two young boys, and it does, it does take time away. And it's certainly not for the money, and it's, it's, not even, it's not for the recognition either. I've been working for the school board for a long time, and one thing I've heard with this candidacy is, who is she? And I'm like, I've been working hard for a long time. It's not for recognition. Um, I actually was, I'm a military brat. And I was very apolitical growing up. That's a military trait, I feel like, if you're growing up in military communities. And I didn't really think about politics. Um, I was also from a very low-income in family. Um, and you just, politics feels like something that's, that's way above you. And I think when politics first started to really um, sink into something, that uh, something I should be concerned about, I, I went to Yale um, for college, and my freshman year when my dad was in the military and he was being deployed to Iraq, I had a class with Barbara Bush, um, George Bush's daughter. He was a the president then. And I remember sitting in that class next to her and thinking, your, your dad's decisions, political decisions, political aspirations are affecting my, my father and my family and our life. And, and I was active after that. Um, I will say, the reason I'm in this race is different. I, I didn't have aspirations for this seat, um, but two issues that are near and dear to my heart um, and that I've been working on for many years, my whole professional career, and that is women's rights and access to a quality, inclusive public education are increasingly being debated at the state level. And I want, at this moment in time, there to be a representative in Richmond who can, who can speak to those issues passionately, personally, um, and effectively. Well said. Um, inspiring. You know, you mentioned something that 
folks said, who is Katrina Colson? And you respond, I've been on the school board for an extended period of time here. I think just of late, the school board has become like the topic of conversation. I mean, it's been in like the last what? So year, year and change. Here? No, I'm gonna do. You even, take it further since COVID. I would take yes. Since yes. COVID. No, I would. Yeah, I would take. Yeah, and Charlottesville specifically because of the events of August 12th. I feel like schools have been. It's been a different experience. When I ran for school board in 2017. Yeah. Uh, it was often just me and my competitor. It was crickets. Yes, it was like crickets. literally crickets. <laughs> yes. Now it's the, the. It's the trenches, dude. Now it's like the hot ticket. Like this past school the board, hot ticket nobody wants, but it's, it's seriously the hot ticket. I mean, like the last school board meeting, there was a hundred plus teachers. Yeah. I was there. I was, you know, there were stakeholders, there were community leaders, they were media, there were media, they were folks live tweeting. I mean, you guys on the dais have become almost household names now. I think schools, in a lot of ways, especially since this is an off-off year, mm-hmm. no president race, no governor race. It's yeah. an off-off year. Generally, in off-off years, engagement is very, very low. Mm-hmm. I think this year's going to be very very different because yeah. i think schools and 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 the political battleground that schools have become are going to drive people to the polls anywhere you want to go on this topic yeah i have a lot of things to say i guess one thing i always say is that parents are passionate about their children and rightfully so everybody if we talk about finding common ground and what is becoming an increasingly contentious political environment i will say that people want what is best for their children amen um, we so. certainly do yeah. So I think the ability to listen to that, even when viewpoints might differ, is experience I would bring to the role. I know I'm selling myself, but to some extent, that's what this is about, um, is experience I bring to the role. Because you are right. School boards have been a battleground. And I am proud of the work that Album Roll has done. Um, I know that since I've been chair, I've really put a focus on increasing our transparency, openness, um, accountability, and... Um, and, and doing that hard work because it has been hard. And that's the recent political climate is very different. And as someone who's currently elected and is able to navigate that, I think that's a strength and experience that I bring because um, you were right. I mean, it's, I, I, I look for We're the doing better than Spotsylvania. Uh, amen. Thank God. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. Like, we've talked schools literally, and, and you're 100% right. It hasn't been the last year. It's been since COVID. Yeah. Um, that this has become a battleground issue. Do you think McAuliffe lost the election with those comments he made about parents shouldn't be actively involved with their kids? Okay. School? You know, you remember those comments? I do, and I'm, I'm going to change it to the affirmative and say okay. that I think Yunkin won okay. on education. I agree. Um, I think that, and that's why I think I'm a, I'm a Democrat. I think Democrats have... Con- traditionally considered education just a solid foundation of our our party ideals, but we are not to say sleeping at the helm, but the Republicans are are gaining traction by implying that our schools, it's not just about defunding our schools, although we certainly need need more funding, and I'm happy to talk about the funding structures that exist in Virginia that can kind of um, cripple the locality's ability to to share the the budgetary burden of educating our students, but... um, it's about devaluing. It's not just defunding, they're devaluing public education. And that's something, you know, if you contrast what's, for example, last year going on in New York, where they pushed forward a bunch of bills that were actually around teacher retention. There is research to show that 30 to 45% of teachers leave within the first five years. There is certainly research, and we can just say common sense value to knowing that an experienced teacher brings value to a classroom, they, they have more ability, you know, they've got more experience. And so they're introducing bills pushing how do we keep teachers in the field. We know that this is a coming crisis, um, teacher retention and recruitment. How do we boldly embrace 
teacher diversity is one of the few research-backed ways to affect achievement gaps is having teachers in our classrooms from a variety of diverse backgrounds so that students at some point in their schooling career can have a teacher that is that is reflective and representative of the experience they have. It helps them um, become more engaged in learning. So New York is pushing that, that stuff forward. In Virginia, if you went and looked at the bills that were introduced this year, yeah. they are about libraries and what books are in libraries uh-huh. and how do we keep books away from children. Right. Um, and that's a problem for me. That is one of the reasons I'm running. It's one of the reasons that I'm, I'm walking down in heels on a rainy day to come do this radio show. Um, and Thank you. <laughs> We appreciate it. I thought it was going to be a little warmer. It's been like spring for the last week, and then I walked out the door, and I'm like... It's raining in 35 degrees, (laughs) and you have to be on front of a camera, (laughs) and you walk from City Hall. Although it's not that far. No, Um, half a block. Yeah, it's not far at all. Um, So yeah, that's one of the things driving me, and I think there's work that we can do at a state level to really impact children. And I just, I want to say it's it's personal to me. it's my lived experience. I, both my parents dropped out of high school. And I always joke, and I say they literally say, they're like, are you telling everyone in Charlottesville that we dropped out of high school? And the answer, because they're probably watching, is yes. Um, yes, I am. Um, I'm going to push it a step further, though, and say that they didn't, they didn't really drop. They dropped out, but they were forced out. They were an interracial couple in early 80s Virginia. Um, there's two prongs to that. There's a portion related to the race, but there's also a portion related to my mom being pregnant. So because my mom was pregnant, that was not welcome. That was not welcome in school. That gets to the women's right um, piece. So they, they left. Um, they left school. And I saw the repercussions and how hard it was for our family, how important it was, education was for me personally and my parents who went back to school um, to achieve economic growth, opportunity, ability to have upward mobility. And I want that same thing for students who are who might have backgrounds like mine. It's the same thing that drives my work for the Department of Social Services. When I was younger, my family had involvement with the Department of Social Services. I know that families can be struggling, um, and I want someone with an empathetic eye towards uh, the services that we can provide our community and how it can uplift them to have better outcomes. Great take. You uh, fought back some emotion there. Yeah. Talk to us about that emotion. Oh, no, it's just, I mean, it's just... The hardship you saw firsthand? Yeah, it's just things. I mean, it's, it, I think it's important. We're all Democrats. I'm, I'm happy we have a crowded field. It brings voters to the polls. It gives them choices. I hope I can earn their vote. Um, I'm happy to have people in the field, but we are all Democrats, and I think we're all probably aligned on a lot of things. I think you guys are. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys very much are, especially you and Dave Norris. And I see Elliot Harding watching, who's a part of the Dave Norris campaign. He's got a question for you that I'll relay on air. Mm-hmm. Um, John Blair's watching the show here. You have some of your colleagues in City Hall watching you on the show. Okay, good to know. Let me make sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's not a lot separating you guys, except for maybe Bellamy Brown, who ran in 2019 for council as an independent. He's perhaps the outlier in a crowded primary. He went from independent in 2019 to a Democrat here in House of Delegate Mm -hmm. race. You got what? Cooper, Norris, you, and Brown. This is a competitive race. Um, I'm going to ask you about your competition here in a matter of moments. Before I do, I want to talk about the experience on um, the school board. Yeah. What you've learned, yeah. what you would do differently, mm-hmm. and the toughest, how you would grade your time on the board. Yeah. Show no. us yours on that. That was, that was, if I was in the court, I'd say that was a multi-pronged question. <laughs> it you, got was a a multi-pronged. Lot, you got a lot of things going there, so let me see if I can... 
I can get them all. Um, my time at the board, I am honored to be on the board um, and serve. And I tell myself that when we have hard decisions, that there are many parents and families that do not have the ability to have an impact on the decision. So even though it's a hard decision, I'm glad that I get to share my viewpoints and make the decision. So I'm honored to be on it. Has it been difficult? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of tough things that co have come up. The pandemic. Right. The pandemic, there's been nothing like that in our experience with public education in this, in this country. Um, and I'm proud. I'm proud of the vote that I took uh, a little earlier on about getting our children, third grade and under, our vulnerable populations back into school. Because I'm a mother. You caught some heat for that. What? You caught some heat for that. I did. I, I, I a thousand percent agreed with the move you made, though. But you did catch some heat for that. I did. And it was a difficult decision. Right. Because, I mean, we all, that's... That's one of the beauties of experience is, is having that experience because people had very valid points on both sides. Um, and, and I did what at the time with the information I had I thought was right, which is I'm the parent. I, at that time, I was a parent of a kindergartner and a second grader. And I knew what it looked like to have, to have education happening at home. And I knew what it required of me um, and, and my, my friends who we all formed a quarantine. And I knew that that resource wasn't available to everyone. And I knew that we needed to get kids back into school. Um, especially the most vulnerable. So um, how I would grade myself, I think, was the last one. And I would never, um, oh, and what, what I learned. I've learned a lot. I've learned how to listen. Um, that's the most important, it's one of the most important skills. I learned that when I was running for school board. The achievement gap is what drove me to run for school board. And I can talk a little bit more about that. I did Teach for America. I was a teacher. Um, and knocking on doors, I remember knocking on doors and like passionately telling people, this is what needs to change, this is what needs to happen, and them kind of being taken aback, like, you know, and I realized if I stop and I ask people what their experience has been and what they see needs to happen, I, one, we could find common ground, but two, I could learn so much. So chairing, uh, being vice chair for two years, doing public comment, um, I think my record speaks for myself as having done that with professionalism and in a way that is effective, and I'm so that I'm happy about. How I would rate, rate us? Great question. Yes. Do you know that I was the one that pushed forward the, our school board evaluation and changes to how we evaluate ourselves? Prior I, did, to, I did know that. Yes. Prior to that, we would gather, we'd have a conversation, just how are we doing, how do we feel like we're doing, and, and that was a problem for me. So I helped, I, I pushed, I kind of made it my baby, which... Um, I think it's probably evident. I just brought it up at the meeting last night. There's been so many meetings, Jerry Miller. Have you noticed I, that? I've noticed that. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed that. You guys have given this talk show tremendous fodder. <laughs> tremendous fodder. I swear in the last 18 months, schools have been the hottest topic of conversation. Most recently, gun, gun, gun gang and drug violence has superseded schools. Mm -hmm. um, and I got to ask you about that as yep. well. Um, so maybe I can give a really quick please, answer and just say please. for the evaluation, you know, I'm always harsh on us. Right. Because ultimately our goal is, is making sure that we have students that are coming out of our system with the skills they need to get jobs and to have careers that uh -huh. allow them to have success. And I think when you sit back and, and rest on any kind of laurels or anything you're doing, then, then that's a failure. And clearly we still have work to do. Um, I am proud of some of the, of many of the things and steps we have taken and how we're approaching the work thoughtfully. But I would obviously say that there's still work to be done. I would agree with that. Uh, my wife and I have this conversation all the time to the point where our rising kindergartner, we're giving serious contemplation of where to send him to school. Yeah. Um, we live in Almar County in Keswick. Yeah. Um, and they're headwinds with public schools. We're mm -hmm. concerned about the busing, mm -hmm. school bus drivers. 
We're concerned about the teacher attrition. Mm -hmm. We're concerned, certainly not at the kindergarten level, but should he continue to matriculate through public schools? Violence yeah. in schools. We're concerned about SROs. I mean, I want to spend time on schools. I want to spend time on your campaign. I want to spend time on gun and gang and drug violence. There's a lot. I have a hard stop at 115, so I'm trying to get everything in. I got so many comments coming in. You'll love this from Matt Daring, who's watching in um, Fifeville. He says, you're an amazing person. He says, this is the kind of person that makes Charlottesville so fantastic. This is the kind of person that makes me want to live here. No matter the outcome of this race, please stay involved. Katrina, we need you. That's Matt Daring. Uh, right, thank you have you. a lot of that on the feed. You also have some, some, you know, some yeah, straightforward happy. questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to ask you this on, on uh, SROs. Yes. Um, where do you stand? Mm -hmm. The vote was to remove them a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Haas is asking for an SRO at Almoral High School specifically because of the trouble. I can say trouble there because of the I, difficulties I think, at I the think, school. No, I think I'd push back a little bit on that. You don't think trouble at Almoral? I think perception. Okay. Uh, okay. Because I, now we are, you know, I'm a data person. So we're, we're awaiting more comprehensive data about our disciplinary reports. There was actually a change to the way that the state does accountability for that. So um, I'm waiting. Okay. But the last report that I had received from, from DARA um, was that disciplinary issues are actually down this year as opposed to in the past years. Huh. That being said, I think they're getting more traction, more newsworthiness. I think there's a general sense of growing unease probably in our community based on also incidents that are happening in our, in our broader area okay. that are putting a focus on it. Um, my What's that mean? What's that mean? Putting a focus, what do you mean one of them? You're, you're, you're saying you think the gun violence that's happening in the area is attracting the layman to the violent storyline, and when the layman is attracted to that storyline, they then equate it in some capacity to schools? Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying those exact words. What I am saying is that I think there's a heightened focus in our community, which you alluded to at the beginning, yeah. on safety, gun violence, and, and issues with... Um, I agree with that. Yeah, so I feel like that's bleeding over to the schools as well. Okay. That being said, there is absolutely... Also, we just are in a unique period of time where we're coming... There's been... We have been presented at school board level um, information about our students struggling with mental health, mm -hmm. um, struggling with stress. You mm -hmm. talked about the volatile pricing and how we're all feeling basically what is a stressful time in our society. Um, and we're doing a lot of work on many fronts to to work on that. Um, we Our budget, which I'm presenting to the Board of Supervisors on Monday, um, has a lot of work, a lot in place to deal with increased mental health supports. We uh -huh. were using a one-time funding source for that. That were operationalizing. Say it for me. Operationally. <laughs> operationalizing. Okay. Um, there we go. So that we can continue to offer those services. We're also um, we're doing security assistance. I my views on SROs are all on the record. Everything I've done is on the record. Um, and I spoke out at the meeting. The budget approval includes i mean the the sro if i'm remembering is i want to say 160,000 yeah. out of a 257 million dollar budget yeah it's minuscule um, and so you don't you don't you don't x out the whole budget because of one thing so i made my views clear which is that i i am um we need to have an MOU to have an SRO in place. Acronyms, acronyms. Give me the I'm first. sorry, a yeah. member uh, memorandum of understanding, basically okay. a contract. Although okay. the lawyers then will say like they're not the, they're not the same, but in essence, to the layman, they're a, it's a contract, and okay. it's how it's uh, it defines the relationship that will exist between the two entities. The MOU that we have, which I said this in my meeting, I have issues with. 
I have issues with it. So no SRO, I do not want to see an SRO in place until I feel comfortable with the MOU we have in place. My concerns are mainly around more of the legal side. So like I have some due process concerns with agreements that we have in place that allow police officers, you know, I just want to make sure that we're doing things in a way procedurally that protects citizenry in the way that I would expect our police to always operate. Um, so the MOU, um, I would want to see work on. That's the that's the viewpoint that I set forward. That's my my feeling on that's, it. That's fair. That's fair. I slight pushback on the violence in school. I think I use the word trouble. The mm -hmm. word trouble in schools. I, I you know. Obviously, you're on the school board. You're privy to information that we do not have as chair of the school board. But, it, you know, we have an alleged assault, which we don't have to get into those details. I have, yeah, too, much, I, I have too much respect for you to go down that road. I won't and go I will down that say road. For, for... I won't go down that road. Yeah, confidentiality yeah. of students. I promise and, you I won't yeah. go down that okay. road. Yeah, too much respect for you to do that. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that was in the news cycle. Yeah. That was in the Crozet Gazette. It was the topic on this show. Well, um, do you mind if I tell you, because I'm not, I'm not pushing back, and I, I'm not, yes, uh, people can be concerned about safety at schools. Clearly, you know, we're trying to address it. That's why we're putting security assistance in. Um, and we're trying, and I recall my mom, my mom's a teacher in Alexandria right now, and, you know, they, they, I do not believe Charlottesville has a gang problem. Um, really? Not to that, no, 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 no. no. Okay. Not That's to, through my meetings with the Commonwealth's attorneys. Not and to just, Alexandria State or in general? They don't not have to Alexandria State. Okay, okay. And we're getting a little, because what I was going to say is my mom, they do have gang violence up there. My mom as a teacher, because of something that occurred outside the school, was asked to step in in the building and they were supposed to guard the doors. Oof. I don't want to ask our teachers to no. do that. No. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're taking it into account. I guess... We're also, one thing, I, I want to give Mr. Bonham a shout-out because this is... This is a principal of Almore High School. Yes, principal yeah. of Almore High yeah. School. I'd love to give him a shout-out because work that he's been doing, and I think this ties into probably something you will ask in a minute, is that, you know, we have sports teams, and having recreational activities for our children and our youth so that they can have places where they, they bring value and they, and they feel successful is important. And... We have these sports teams. Many students get cut. Um, we have a JV team. Even that doesn't even nearly touch the amount of students that try out. So Albemarle is rolling out this program where they are building an intramural league to allow students who want to play sports, which is a positive all around. Like 100%. getting students involved in sports is a positive. Um, so they're doing an intramural program. So there's a lot of work that's being done to engage our students. And the way that I think that that wraps into is one thing for we, when we talk about addressing gun violence in our community. One thing I would say is that we are not a standalone, there are not standalone systems. It's the integration of services that we offer in our community. I see that in my work with social services. Um, and schools are one of the primary ways that we get to um, deep-rooted issues with gun violence. Sure. Because when we provide people opportunities, we provide them spaces to grow, um, we keep them active, engaged, optimistic about their future, yeah. then you prevent issues down the line. Yeah. And so I would love to see um, someone who brings that mindset. I also can just speak about gun safety laws, though that's, that's the more the democratic ticket, which is we need, we need more gun control laws. Um, we passed, the, the state passed uh, great legislation. It needs to be implemented with better fidelity in terms of background checks. Virginia currently does not have any gun storage requirements. I certainly think there be, should be gun storage requirements when there are children. When you buy a gun, there's no requirement that you purchase a, a lock or a safety lock to go with it. Those are all things that I could see um, see having an impact as well and that I would want to see on the state level. I know we've been really focusing on like school specific, but I, I would note 
yeah, that this there's things I want to see at, on a broader level. Catherine Lochner watching the program. She says, damn straight, Katrina, we need a very specific MOU for SROs. She pushes back a little bit on the gang activity in the comments. There's a lot of people watching here. If you have questions for Katrina, put them in the feed. We'll relay them live on air. Yeah. Um, and can I say to everyone watching, I certainly don't profess to be an expert on everything. So you earlier asked me what I've learned when I was on school board, and that's a great question because I pride myself on trying to um, learn as I go. Sure. Um, and I will, I, so I do know, I think one of the strengths I bring as a candidate is that I do have a legal background. Um, I've been doing child advocacy work for a long time. I did a little bit of criminal representation, but I'm not a criminal lawyer. Um, and so I don't have a full understand I will own that I don't have a full understanding of the field although I can think of some specific things I would like to see uh, like a little known well maybe it's not a little known to those who affect it's a very well known law that in Virginia you know your appointed representation um, if you if you're if you cannot afford it the Miranda rights basically sure. um, if you lose if you are found guilty which is commonplace we take pleas in many of our um, many of our criminal cases or plea deals you are expected to pay that back and if we talk about recidivism and how we touch upon creating a better or brighter future um, we would we should be propping up those who who after they've served their time are back in the community not giving them fines that are going to keep them down so there's work I'd like to see done there but I will say I'm not an expert and I'm always open to feedback um, respect. Mm -hmm. I respect that. Um, Elliot, I promised I'd get to your question here. The attorney and the entrepreneur, Elliot Harding, um, has got one. Um, he says, Al Morrow and giving up K-Tech, um, what emphasis, if any, do you think skills trades should have in a well-rounded education? A lot. <laughs> Especially now. Oh, I, mean, I get college. College is not for everyone. An electrician, um, a plumber, anyone in these apprentice trades can get paid to learn a trade as opposed to taking student debt out. And these folks are making 85, 100, 115 bucks an hour here. K-Tech, first, what happened with the K-Tech scenario? And then second, the trades and how it applies to kids. Okay. I have a, a long, so, okay, it's all right. I can handle two. I know. It's when it's like five. I start, and I did a pretty good job. I you remembered a lot of them. You did um, Let me just tell you a quick story. When I did child advocacy clinic, when I did the child advocacy clinic at UVA Law, this okay. was uh, 10, almost 15 years ago, um, we had children that were interacting with our legal system, and the response that we had, uh, like an option that we had in our toolbox was, let's see if we can get them in K-Tech. K-Tech is where we send students that are struggling um, with school. This is where we want to send them. I we need to change that. Um, vocational, technical education should be a valid career path for everyone. Well it certainly shouldn't be something that um, we marginalize or put as like, if you're not doing well, this is what you go and do. Um, Stigmatized. Stigmatized. Yeah. That's a better word. It's, it's stigmatized. It's stigmatized. Yeah. And it should not be because it's, it's, it's viable it's a viable it's professions. It's yeah. legit. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. You can earn college credit. Right. You don't even, even if you're, I mean, KTEC's a wonderful, a valuable resource for students in our region. I mean, even if you don't want to pursue what you're doing at KTEC, you can get certifications. You can get uh, skills 
that I can be carried with you. I think the perception of the four-year degree is changing because the student debt has gotten so astronomically out of control and difficult to manage that now folks are much more open-minded to going, say, the Piedmont route for two years, getting a 3.0 plus, then getting guaranteed admission to any state school in the Commonwealth. Yeah. And then you have a lot less debt service there. And I think folks are a lot, um, certainly very focused on trades now because mm-hmm. there's such a shortage in the profession. But I do agree that it has been stigmatized, i.e., you can't cut it in the classroom here, then why don't you go over here as a last resort? Yeah. And so, that's unfortunate. Yeah, and that is unfortunate. I want to see changes on that. But there's a lot more to be said about that. Um, uh, Albemarle's been pushing for a while to, to do career technical education. We've been working to integrate it in our schools. K-Tech is a wonderful f- facility. Um, I'm looking forward to what K-Tech becomes. I think probably you said it was Elliot. Probably what Elliot Harding, yeah. Probably what Elliot is getting to is the division of the governance structure of K-Tech from Albemarle, Charlottesville together to just Charlottesville. And that was something, you know, I've been on the K-Tech board for almost six years at this point, K-Tech has struggled with enrollment and struggled with stagnation. And I think part of that was due to having a governance structure where the vote was split between two localities that might have differing um, views or motivations plans. or yeah. plans yeah. or whatever. Um, and so by uh, bifurcating it or by, by giving it back, you know, making it so one or the other of us is in control, I actually hope that will be a positive step forward for K-Tech. Both parties agreed to continue to let others the other uh, localities students attend. Um, and I can tell you Albemarle is certainly embracing career technical education. We plan on integrating it into our high schools, um, making it more available. Also for students not having to do a standalone um, drive to another school to experience sure. technical education. Um, Jojo Robinson, we'll get to your comments. I've got to ask you about collective bargaining. It's all right. I'm happy to talk about okay, that. Okay. i got to um, – where do we stand – we seem to be inching to a finish line. A lot of the teachers that listen to this show that are literally texting me now, mm-hmm. I won't say who they are because they're texting during the school day, um, concerned that they do not have a seat at the table mm-hmm. with collective bargaining and negotiation. Um, I'll start with an open-ended question, then ask pointed ones. Mm-hmm. How do you think this collective bargaining process has gone so far? I think there's... So I've been in good communication with the president of the AA, especially, um, so I became chair this year, so since I've become chair, I've made sure to have a monthly, but really it's almost been, I would say every two weeks, a call or meeting with the president of the AA. Um, My personal goals when I got into the seat were open, honest, and transparent, and making sure that what I say um, is to the extent that I can, I can't predict the future, I can't promise both, I don't do that, um, but so that people know where I stand personally. And I'm proud of that. Um, I've seen in my conversations with Vernon ways I could have grown. So I was the one that last year added onto the motion when we were uh, delaying collective bargaining to say we're not going to do it at this time. I took the feedback that that seems like you're kicking it down the can. Um, and I'm sorry that they were left with that impression and uncertainty. So I would love, when I came in, that's why I want, I was like, I want to have more communication. I want it to be open. I want this to happen at a quicker pace. I want them to know where we stand. Okay. And I think I've been... I think I've been really successful with that. Um, The resolution came back to us at the beginning of February. I pushed for having an open discussion about it. I got some feedback, I think, from an opponent about discussing it, but I think good governance involves having open conversations about difficult subjects. Um, We do know now that we've taken the vote on it. It was a split vote. Um, I expressed my support for it. um, We met with a lawyer. I made that happen. And then we passed a resolution. And then this last 
the meeting yesterday, we set forth a timeline that will put us on pace to have it at the same time as Charlottesville, and we set forth how we'll be working with the AA. And I'm sorry there was confusion. I think there was confusion about that. I have been in contact with the president of the AA um, the, whole, the whole way. I'm, I'm going to say that openly um, since I've been chair and, and I've been transparent, and I'm really excited. I'm excited for our teachers, um, and I'm looking forward to hopefully, I mean, it's, it's a bargaining. So there was one thing that a resolution would be given that they, they don't agree on. That is certainly not the intent, and it's, it's not the way it works. It has to be mutually agreed on. So I don't want to say it's going to be a rainbow road the whole way, but I'm really hopeful that we, um, I'm excited that we're undertaking the process. We're going to be the seventh school division out of 132 in Virginia to start this, and I'm proud of that. I think the concern, and this is you know a little more pointed here, and I'm seeing the text from now four um, Almaro teachers that are watching and listening to you right now. I think the concern was that the collective bargaining was perceived to include the teachers, and now they believe that they don't have a seat at the table during the negotiation and the drafting of any kind of agreement. So what I would say then is that the meeting, this is all, of, I mean, this is breaking news. Breaking news. I can't yeah. even pretend There you go. News. You're breaking, breaking news. news. No, it's not oh. breaking news. I've, I, I've conveyed, you know, the... Um, to the best of my ability, I've tried to convey what's going on openly, honestly, transparently, uh, and I stand by that. So, yeah, that's more came out yesterday. The goal is to, to work together. It's, it's the way that the other school divisions have undertaken it as well. I would encourage any of those and all of those teachers to reach out. We also have the EVAC committee going up. Um, and, there's, and, yeah, so I would encourage them to reach out because they certainly have a seat at the table. And I would remind people it's, uh, it's an agreement mutually agreed upon by, by both parties. And so there will never be a scenario. So you don't um, feel you, you want to, for the record, offering clarity, undoubtedly the teachers... Would have a say in what the resolution... Right. Yes, because they have to... That's on the record. On yeah, do it for the yeah. There we go. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's okay. a given. Because you heard the feedback. You know... You, the, have, you, know you, the, you follow the... So you, you hear the chatter, don't you? I to, I'm not going to lie, Jerry. To some extent, I try to, you, you, I try to stay focused on, the, on okay. the work I'm doing. I try to take feedback well. I respond. That's another thing is I'm like the person who responds to all the school board emails now. I've been trying to do a really good job of making sure that I'm reading and responding and letting everyone know. Um, but to some extent, I don't follow social media because social media can be a little bit of a... Oh. Uh, Trust me, I make my living with it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It can be uh, a time suck and it can be... Uh, it can be a time suck and it can be a little out of place. So like yeah. this, I, I communicated with the AA president. I knew that the, the information was coming out. So I apologize to those who felt like they were left without that knowledge. Um, and to some extent, I mean, I'm, I'm, I apologize for that. Um, but we're working, we're trying our best. And I think my record stands. I respect that. What do you think of the, uh, the competition in the primary? You got... You got Deshaun Cooper, who is an up-and-comer, mm-hmm. I think he, and this is me talking, this is not you, okay? okay. I think Deshaun Cooper's got a lot of upside. Uh-huh. He's young. Uh-huh. I think this experience is going to be fantastic for Are you him. saying I don't count as young? And f- I think <laughs> you're young. You're undoubtedly young. You're not as young as Deshaun Cooper. No, I'm not. Are you? Is that safe? Yeah, no, that's safe. He, he's it's the youngest. <laughs> I think this is good experience for him, but I don't think this is a primary he's going to win. Okay. I think, th- this is me talking, this isn't you. Okay. I think it's going to come down to you, Dave, and Bellamy. I think Bellamy, um, if he's listening, and I believe he's watching the show right now, I would love to see him, if he can change what he's running for, maybe make a push for city council, because I think he can win that race. Not sure he can win the delicate race. I think it's between you and Dave Norris. 
Okay? Dave is running on a platform that is undoubtedly tied to housing, which is his experience. Mm -hmm. um, you're running on a platform that is undoubtedly, undoubtedly tied to education, mm -hmm. which is your experience. What separates you from your competition? This is a two-prong one. Yeah. It's a two-prong. <laughs> I can okay, handle that. Okay. I can handle what that. What separates you from your competition, and why do you think you can win this race? Okay. Um, yeah. Quite a few things separate me. I mean, if we just go off of the resume, sort of, um, I am the only person, I'm the only woman in the race. You at are. At a time when women's rights are the number one issue for voters. You and think right, they are? I think so, and rightfully so. Okay. And it's not just about access to abortion. It's okay. about access to uh, reproductive health care. Uh, reproductive health care for low-income low women in particular. It's about having someone with an understanding of how the law can disadvantage women. I would love to have an audit of Virginia Code uh, with an eye towards gender equality. Um, women's issues, only a third of our legislators are women right now. We need, we need more of them. And we're potentially losing one in this seat with Sally's um, exit. And so electing She's challenging three deeds, Virginia mm -hmm. State Senate. I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt. I apologize. Now, this is like a kind of a clickbait thing, but like a recent thing that happened was they were debating menstrual da app data. If that. we're going to be at a state level arguing around menstrual apps, there need to be more women at the table. I'll give um, you props for that. Um, props so for that. that's something that's different between us. Oh, is yeah. it? <laughs> you got a clap sound machine right here. Yeah, nice. I gave you props. Yeah. Um, the other I agree 100% with that. Um, the other thing is that I work um, for the county and I work for the city. Okay. I am the only candidate that brings that experience, and I know very I know a lot about how our localities interact. I know how our needs differ, where they overlap. I know where we can have like a housing tasing, ta uh, task force that actually takes into account all the various organizations that we have, both in Albemarle and Charlottesville. So I bring that um, having that dual experience. Um, is it a conflict of interest? I've, I've asked this on the show, yeah. full disclosure. Is it a conflict of interest that you are running for this spot when you work for the city? No. It is a conflict for, I, if I win, I would have to resign school board. I would okay. not continue to serve on school board. It's not a conflict with the... No, I am okay. not appointed. I am okay. just an employee, just like anyone in the state okay. is, is an employee employee somewhere, and it could presumably eventually be affected by state But you government. would have to obviously resign the school board. School board, I would resign. Okay. Yes. Um, um, wait, ahead. I'm not done. Please, yeah, please. I'm I apologize. Done. Sorry. sorry, sorry. Um, county, fine. city. I'm uh -huh. also the current, the only currently elected official, and I think we talked about it earlier. In the race. In the race. Yeah. And the political climate has been different, and I've effective leadership in this climate, I think, is a big boost that I think we should be, we should want a representative that, that does that. The other thing is I... If we go back to the women's uh, issues, I, women are, uh, it's just been shown, they're less likely, they always feel like they're underqualified for a job. So I'm going to go on record right now and say that I am the most qualified one for this position. Ooh. I like that moxie. Yeah. Most qualified for the position. I've been doing local government work for, I've, my whole professional career has been in public service work. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm a teacher. Uh -huh. I'm an attorney for the city. Yeah. I represent the Department of Social Services. I represent the airport. I represent the general registrar. I'm chair of the Albemarle County School Board, managing a budget that's two, $257 million. I have experience. I'm not coming out of nowhere with this. This is, and it's work that I'm passionate about. It's not work that I started because the, the race is open. This is work that I've been doing for a long time. You have. And um, on behalf of 
of children and families and women. This is what has been driving me, and that's what we want right now. And the in the political in your political campaign headquarters. Okay, let's have, pretend I have one. If you have you have the whiteboard, you're doing political strategizing in the war room. Yeah. Is Dave Norris your top competition in this race? I don't and I want think Dave is watching. Uh, I think Dave's a great guy. I've never met Dave, but I've heard good things. Um, and I certainly hope, I'm really looking, I'm hoping we can have a really positive race. I'm looking forward to a positive race. I am trying not to underestimate anyone. So my philosophy, okay. uh, actually my campaign manager and um, campaign strategist, what we say is uh, empower, um, empower, include, and, and positivity. Um, and okay. I am, fo- oh, and hard work, sorry. Power, include, hard work, positivity. I am so focused on making sure that I do what I need to do to go and listen to voters, talk to voters, uh, do the work I need to do. I'm working hard. I'm doing the city, doing the school board, doing a town hall. I'd love to tell everyone can go to my website. It's uh, KatrinaCalson.com. I have got, I think, 14 meet and greets set up. I've got town halls. I've got my school board meetings that I'm at. Um, I am focused on working hard and getting myself into that seat through my, my own merits. But I can appreciate that there's lots of people in the race, and I hope they're doing the same, and let the voters decide. Uh, Grayson Long, um, watching in North Downtown. Jerry, I've watched the interview from start to finish. She had my vote before she came on the show. This interview has further reinforced why my family will be voting for Katrina Colson for delegate. There you go. Just got earned a vote right there from Grayson's family in North Downtown. Matt continues to sing your praises on social media. In fact, a lot of people are singing your praises here. You mentioned um, earlier in the program that you feel um, reproductive, um, maybe the top item that drives people to the polls this race. Yeah, and why should it be? 100%, you think, not schools. I do think it's reproductive rights. Okay, Um, let's go down this road here. Anywhere you want to go. Yeah, well... Well, reproductive rights need to be codified into the Virginia Code. Um, they, I, uh, I, heard, I heard mention of making Virginia a safe state. That's not even what it's about for me because the majority of women, when you're pregnant, I mean, I just, we just had, actually, let me know. I don't, I don't want to get into specifics, but it's work that I do, um, and I know, having been a pregnant woman, woman in my life, that pregnancy... Um, when you start putting timelines on when you can get certain medical procedure, it's really, it's a, it's the decision between a doctor and a woman. Um, and it's based on her situation and legislators need to make sure that we are not, um, over legislating women's bodies. And it's not just, it I so oh, straightforward. I mean, I, it's so crazy that we're at this point, right? Yeah. It's, and it's beyond, I'd want to say it's beyond abortion. Because, yeah, it is beyond abortion. Because yeah. like Planned Parenthood provides pregnancy prevention tools for women. It provides reproductive health care that they might otherwise be able to afford. Um, just someone to talk to. Yes. Just a conversation, things. yeah. I mean, isn't it, it's so crazy that we're at the point where, what was the number you gave? How many folks in Richmond are women? Was it a third? About a third. A third. So you got two-thirds of uh, delegates men. And they're sitting... Not just delegates. That includes delegates, senators. Okay, delegates and senators. Thank you for clarifying that for me. You got two-thirds of these folks, guys, in session, talking about what a woman can or cannot do with her body. That's right. It sounds... Asinine. And that means, I have three brothers. That's probably going to be the soundbite I don't want. But I love guys. I have three brothers. Yeah. It's not... It's just... Oh, you're not marginalizing <laughs> men by that. No. I'm just saying, why are men in suits, in session, talking about what women can do with their bodies? It's just absolutely asinine to me. 
But that's the political climate that we're in right now. And it, I mean, it trickles down. I remember when I was, I actually lapsed in insurance coverage when I was a law school student. I didn't get the, like, reminder to pay the bill. My credit card was uh, expired, so, like, I lapsed. And it was when I was pregnant. And, you know, I could not get insurance. Pregnancy is a a pre-existing condition. So you paid the pregnancy cash out of pocket? I paid up and through through my first trimester. Before then, I discovered through thankfully a, a great resource that told me because I was going to UVA Law. Yeah, there's there's group coverage that uh, I could get on. Okay. Um, but I did pay for a third, which I guess maybe is making me sound like I don't know insurance policy that well. But at that time, I was looking. I was just at a loss. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to get private insurance in, and I need to get it pronto because I'm pregnant. And in those contracts, you will sign up, and they will have um, amendments that aren't even in the initial contract. You have to pull up the amendments, and in there. There was every single one, a clause, uh, pregnancy is a pre-existing condition. You don't get coverage. Um, so that kind of knowledge, I guess, and background, and, and just there's something to be said for representation. And it's not just being a woman either. I mean, I... Got the Richmond Times-Dispatch watching you here yeah, on the show. I think, so you, having people who've had the lived experience that they're legislating around, I think, is powerful. One, one thing I haven't said, um, but it's worth noting is that people say, am I from Charlottesville? And the answer is really complicated because my, so my dad is adopted. Um, we found his birth family about six years ago, and they actually live right here in Charlottesville, even no though way. I, not, right down the street. Um, I see them on the downtown mall. They, um, I found that out. I did the 23andMe DNA test. I found it out. We were able to connect. We were able to find my dad's biological parents. They are an interracial couple. My dad was born in 1966 before interracial marriage was legal. So when he was born, his parents could not marry and his mom was told that she needed to give him up for adoption because the best interest of a child at that time was to be raised by parents who were the same race. What? And so he was adopted by a black family. So if you met my dad, my dad is, uh, is 56. Born in 66, birthday September. He's 56 years old, 10 years away from Medicaid, um, Medicare. He's... He looks young. People think that these laws that un- racist or unjust or whatever, these laws are way in the past, and they're not. Um, and they can have generational impact. I've seen it in my lifetime. Um, and we need someone who knows how powerful and how impactful these laws are and that it's important to have someone who cares um, and cares about a brighter future. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It's a really neat story. It's, you can look it up. I, we went and spoke in L.A. about it because it was just – it was. It was really crazy. They what's it live- like seeing the adopt? What's it like seeing them on the downtown mall? Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you just randomly run into them? Yeah, and because there's so many of them, I will say it was really hard to find so many new family members. People hopefully can relate that sometimes when you're like keeping track of like, who do I have to say happy birthday right? to? Who do I have to do this? Yeah. And like it just grew exponentially. But it was great. I mean, I went to a family reunion in Scottsville because that's basically, I say Charlottesville, and they do live down the road from me in Rio, but... Um, some of them, but there's also some based in Scottsville, and so I went to a, a a birthday party in Scottsville, but it ended up having a lot of family members, and it was it's an experience that I wish I didn't have to go through because I wish that our yeah. family wasn't broken up in that way, but there wasn't a dry eye in there because they were getting to meet this whole segment of their family that they didn't get to meet because of laws that were in effect within our lifetime. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, questions coming quickly. You have a one thirty, right? Mm-hmm. I do. I have to go do. Um, I have to prep for the school board budget presentation that's happening on Monday. You got it. okay. Can we go mm-hmm. to one twenty-five? Would you make it there in time? Well, then I will. Yeah. I, well, I will just do it on my. 
phone in my car, which okay. is my new office. Is that's, my... That's, my, that's my second or office. I can actually go to my office real quick. And yeah, you, you can happily use that desk if you need to as well. Um, I'll go rapid fire here, try to get as many as possible. We're going to stop in two minutes. Um, and Catherine said she saw your video of 23andMe. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this is coming in on Twitter. This is a good one. Um, so many topics we got to get to. This is from Dylan's Rule. I would love to hear her ideas on housing. Specifically, could you ask her how she will work with legislators in both parties to increase housing? Yes. It's um, a great question. That is a great question because we have a split, you know, we have a split assembly right now. So I can think of a few ideas real quick. Um, career speaking about career technical education, for giving uh, student loan forgiveness for those who are going in the building trades. Um, which I think would help. We have a supply issue right now, so uh, it's difficult to find workers, and that would, I think, help encourage people to get into the building trades and then provide, hopefully, more employees that can then work on houses. Uh, another thing is utility hookups. Um, a, not a relaxation of the Dillon's rule, but a, a carve-out that would allow localities a little bit more flexibility with how they address housing, um, housing development. And this would be bipartisan support because, you know, Republicans support, if I had to assume, developers more. Um, and so utility hookups are a big expense for developers. So if developers promised a certain amount of affordable housing units at an AMI that works for the locality, whether it's 80% the state level, 60% Charlottesville level, I heard someone on public comment at the last meeting saying 40%, whatever the AMI that the locality uh, appreciates for whatever term, then we could waive utility hookup rates. Um, same with infrastructure. Infrastructure to get into developments is a big expense. I know this from my work on the school board because when we're looking at places to develop centers, um, if it doesn't have existing infrastructure, the cost alone is so prohibitive that we can't proceed with that. Um, so there would be a way. I know as a Democrat, we just need more money in our affordable housing trust at a state level, but I can appreciate that that might not get the support that you wanted if it was a split, uh, a split assembly. And so I can anticipate ways you could carve out funding for developments that have affordable housing, and infrastructure would be one of them. If there was a, a pot of money in BDOT that could be awarded to developments that have affordable housing units. So those are real quick three three ways I think you could you could deal with that. Last one. Okay. Um, thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and it's tough to close on this one. Um, state money, parents, private schools, anywhere you want to go on this topic. A lot of people are split on this. Should we be able to value a public school education and utilize a portion of that value to have parents pay or subsidize a private school tuition? No. Your thoughts on that? You say no completely. No. Okay. Uh, last, th last question I'm asking you here. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, in essence... Uh, defunding public schools? Uh, Is that what you're saying? That's a euthanism for defunding public education. Okay. Now, don't get me wrong. Well, there's no... The answer is no to that. Uh, private schools have a reason. Children have different needs. Parents have choice in what they do with their children? Absolutely. State funds. The problem is if you're doing the educational saving plans, I think is what they were called, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it is not enough to afford a private school education. That's correct. It is supplementing for parents who probably already can afford it. That's probably It true. is taking money away from public schools that then are the only option for many of our students. So it's creating a segregation between um, what is available to our students. It's furthering that. If you're going to put public funds, public monies towards education, it should be for public education. Um, also, I think of our more, I know Charlottesville is a dense, this district's 11 square miles, I think. Um, rural counties will not have access to public schools in the same way that we here in Charlottesville think that they're, because this is like one of the highest per capita private schools areas in Virginia, I believe. Um, so that solution is limited in its approach. 
unjust in its implementation, I think, and not the way we need to be moving forward. There we go. And if you tie it to parent choice, I will say that parents do have choices. Um, parents do have choices in what they do with their children. It, we still need to be putting money towards a robust, inclusive public education system. You uh, were fantastic. Her website is KatrinaColson.com. KatrinaColson.com. She's at 1.30. She's got to go. Yeah. Um, I hope you come back again. Okay. Seriously. Um, Judah Wickhauer, our director, KatrinaColson.com. Guys, that's the Friday edition of the talk show. We will be back here on Monday for the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us. So long, everybody. All right. Sorry. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. He's going to tell us when the mics are off. They're going to be off right.